Yo, what up, Psych Athletes? It's the crew here today, and we have a bunch of things to discuss because we've had a ton of cool guests on the podcast for the last week or so, and we definitely want to start kind of going over a lot of things that we agreed about what they said, a lot of things that we disagreed. Um, so yeah, we just want to give an insight towards what we think about it because a lot of times when you're interviewing people and yeah, you're just dude, trying to have hard. a podcast, especially over Zoom right now with COVID and shit like that, it's really hard to have a real formal um, like conversation with each other. And that's kind of what we found. So what we wanted to do is kind of give our takes on the last few guests that um, have been here. So I think like probably the best place to start is with our last guest, with Coach. A little bit of a qualifier here before we begin. These were – you guys have to bear in mind, these were our like first four podcast guests that we've ever had. So it was a little difficult finding like, you know, a rhythm and a, and a good, I mean, I, I think they were good to listen to and really educational for you guys, but to qualify it all, there were some things, yeah, we, we, we didn't agree with when they said certain things and we wanted to say something, but it's just, it's hard to find that rhythm and yeah, just a little bit of a, and we're getting better. Like we'll, we'll continue to get better and have better conversations mm-hmm. and whatnot going back and forth but with zooms a little hard but we're we'll definitely get after yeah because this is this is there's this like input lag and you can't really if you cut someone off they just have the worst look on their face you know what we should do <laughs> we should like embed uh like a secret message in this podcast because we're gonna have like 200 episodes eventually mm-hmm. so when people go back the og listeners can go back and then they can decode the secret message and then get something and then it's just the ultimate cure for performance anxiety <laughs> they just get all of our programs for free <laughs> yeah that's a good idea mm-hmm. yeah so let's think in the head beep beep boop think we were in la like two weeks ago when uh the election was going on biden got elected and we were like in the shit it was really cool and uh dodgers had just won the world series and Mitch was walking around with an LA hat because it was blue. And we were like uh, rallying and shit like that. And people were coming up to him and be like, yeah, go Dodgers. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Is there a thing to say if there's a Dodger fan that's saying shit? And, and I'm like, yeah, bro. You go up to him, you say, wee, wee, woo, woo. And then we just kept doing that for the rest of the day and it became a huge joke. Well, I just thought because like, if, if you're a car guy out there, different cars like Toyotas or Volvos, I had a Volvo before. And there's like, it's called like the Volvo wave or like the Jeep wave. Like the Jeep wave is you have your hand on the steering wheel and then you just put up like two <laughs> fingers and be like, you're like, yeah, what's up? What's up? Like, you know what's up. You know that guy, he's got a Jeep. Yeah. He, yeah. But um, yeah, get into it. We had John Beam. We had John super cool. Beam. I don't want to start with him though. I want to start with, I want to start with the first one and work. work okay. So the first one was Eric. Yeah, it was Eric's my old coach. So we got, I mean, an introduction. I think he's definitely like a forward thinking dude. Yeah, definitely. And it was fun with him, especially because I knew what he was all about. And it was really easy to have him come on and just be a yes man for us because a lot of like his philosophies, his ideals, we align with. And I thought that was awesome because, you know, you always want a coach out there that understands you, understands the player. And there, there are a lot, but I feel like in my experience, they're hard to come by. And it was cool to just. I think, yeah, I think one of the major themes that we kind of saw when we had coaches involved who were like people, you know, running a type of program for athletes, one of the huge things was like, we'd ask them, we'd say, so, you know, what are you guys doing for the mental side of the game, right? They all agree that the mental side is so important. And each Each one said that. Seriously, each one of them said that. And each one of them also said, yeah, we should be doing better. We could be doing better, but there's something going on. There's a time restraint. There's like things that we think are... I mean, that they have been doing in the past for years and years and they keep that precedent and they don't work on the mental side. So I think that really just 
reinforces the fact of you know the potential that this podcast has and um, how many people we can really help. That's what really helped me in the beginning too when I saw how many coaches agreed with what we had to say yeah. too, and I was like. I mean, we knew this was a problem going to this. That's the whole reason why we started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then to get that confirmation from the likes of, of really respected baseball coaches and then um, some... And then Mr. Like, Legendary John Beam, yeah, television star. Like John Beam, which is super cool. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. So what's some things that you think you... Did you disagree with anything with Eric's? No. I feel like I definitely didn't. I think... When he, he talked about this part, he was, he was like, I asked him, how do you build confidence in coaches? Is, is it something you think you can do? Or in players, my bad. As coaches, do you think you could build confidence in players, you know, kind of like an at-will thing? Or is, is there a strategy you can use? And he said, he said, no. He's like, if there's a coach out there that can do that, fuck, he's the best coach of all time. And I kind of laughed at that. And I was like, we can inspire confidence in players, either through our related relationship. Our relatability or or like what we have like some of our programs that are really cool and that we really think have a lot of potential as well and I think we can be that confidence inspiring factor for a lot of baseball or sorry I keep saying baseball but sports programs in general yeah yeah we definitely have to do a better job because we as psych athletes we want to we want to cater to every single sport because this can help athletes in every single sport and we we've kind of showed a little bit of a predilection for you know baseball coaches because for me Baseball is my sport, so I wanted, I don't know, I found it easier for me to talk about, but what we can do better going forward is definitely involving a lot more coaches. And coming up, we have some cool ones. We have this dude that swam. Dude, we have a yeah. guy who's like a, a an Arctic sort. He's set a bunch of, of yeah. records. I don't want to, I'm kind of talking my ass right here because I haven't done a whole lot of research <laughs> on him so far. But I, I mean, he set a bunch of records for swimming across different mm-hmm. channels around the world. And he's got this huge story of, of how he, he swims in super, like, hyper-cold water. Dude, um, I, I bet he has a lot of insight in when it comes to Wim Hof. Oh, 100%. We should really I talk bet. about that. I mean, I think he's from, like, the same same Nordic country. Oh, like, really? I think he's from, like, I think he's country. German. Is he? I think, I'm pretty sure I think Wim Hof's Polish. Okay. So, around the same uh-huh. area, but, but, yeah, that's going to be really cool. I mean, one of the things that I think that we've kind of found when it comes to the difference between coaches and people that run programs, right? Where it's like Eric runs a program. John Beam is a coach. John Beam is a coach. Um, Garrison runs a program. And then also... Drexel um, is a coach. Drexel. You know, he, he has these lessons. I'm not sure if he has a program yeah, necessarily. But that's just, I mean, that's just for baseball in, in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Each of these coaches specific, they're like specifying their own particular niche and their own particular sport, right? What we're trying to do is be able to reach a larger audience because of the weird like tools and tactics that we use uh, can be imp- implemented for everybody, whether it's meditation, whether it's the subconscious releases, whether it's using the law of attraction, right? And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more. But like one of the main themes I've kind of uh, heard from them is like there's a massive difference between coaches and people that are developing players to become like mm-hmm. who they who they could be and yeah. who they want to be and like setting certain goals and shit like that. Yeah, with the goals aspect, it definitely feels like the development programs, so we like to call them, are more. Um, it's almost like a it's like a it's like a business model, right? The way they they described it is it's not wins anymore for these player development programs. It's it's commitments. That's what I saw, mm-hmm. and. Then we might even fall down a worse rabbit hole in the future and we say, 
oh, player development's too important now, or <laughs> winning's, winning's not emphasized enough, everyone's fucking losing or something, but it's funny to think like that. <laughs> In the future, we just have all these insanely strong mental people, and then they're just losing every single game. Yeah. They think they don't have to work out anymore, and then they're just like... They just got the massive brain no, strength. No, TikTok's going to influence them. They're all going to become e-boy sports players. <laughs> no, but then the catch with them is they go like, what, like, oh, in like 60 in their baseball season. But they all then, get committed? But then, yeah, <laughs> but, then they're, but then they're all like, they're so strong mentally that they're like, I'm going to bounce back yeah. next season. Yeah. Like, for the, yeah, that's a big, that's a huge difference that you pointed out. Like, Eric's, Eric's program, focus on player development. Garrison's, Tread Athletics, focus on player development, player development. Because they don't have, they care. Eric has a team that wins, but they do more of a program for athletics, so wins aren't even in the conversation. Eric acknowledged importance of them, so he. I, I look at him as like 50, 60, 40, player development and win. And I look at coach like John Beam, and it's it's weird because he cares so much about his players. Like we were talking about him, he's really personal with all of them, knows their backstory, really aware about you know other factors like poverty, you know ethnic disenfranchisement, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so, in other words, he's really aware of all that stuff, but he definitely is a winning coach. He's an old-school winning coach. Yeah, I mean, in the 90s, oh, yeah. he didn't lose a game. Yeah, he's, he's a winning guy. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I mean, he's good at what he does, and that's why he's been so successful mm-hmm. for, like, 40 years. But you can definitely, you can definitely see, like, and he said it himself, too, he talked a lot about how young athletes and their parents should should pick out the colleges that are right for them. And he was saying the same, like he was talking about, okay, is this player going to be able to adapt to like five degree weather? Or maybe this coach is not the right coach for them because they're too hard on them. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel like with, with John Beam and everything that he's been able to do, a lot of players would not be able to handle a coach like John Beam. Yeah. yeah, definitely. We can get into him more later, but... I think one of the good yeah. points that you brought up was, like, parents and kids involved. Like, I feel like parents need to be much more receptive to this type of shit, mm-hmm. and they're really not. And, you know, that's, that's on both parts, right? Like, the kids have to, you know, if you're a player right now, you have to speak with your parents about this. Parents have to, like, be knowledgeable about this. Like, I think parents can get just as much out of kids listening to, this, to these podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but generally, you guys agree with most of the stuff Eric said. He he was pretty much like you know. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. just reaffirmed pretty much everything. That everything we believe. Yeah. Basically, it's just the the ideology that like we continue hearing that mental's mental side is so important, but a lot of people don't have they don't have the time for it, and you know a lot of times they don't have the resources for it either. Yeah, so we definitely definitely see less of um, you know an importance on that the mental side of the game in every single program we've seen. Um, moving yeah. on to like Dre- what were we gonna say? I was gonna say then we got. Do you want to go? We got Drexel. Go? Yeah, yeah, we got Drexel. Yeah, we got Drexel <laughs> up next. He had a super cool story, and I think a lot of those. I mean, like they're all coaches, yes, but they're coaching different types of programs too. Because like your um, um, real performance, um, Garrison came on, and yeah, he's probably not going to be as focused on winning too because his was all like it, it's private, right? Mm-hmm. So he was just focused on player development, and Drexel kind of fit in the same category. Whereas mm-hmm. he did like private, uh, private coaching, mm-hmm. so he kind of had the same mentality where yeah, um, winning isn't everything, but also at the same time he's still 
um, dealing with players who are on teams and he realizes that, yeah, winning is still a little bit important. And then it's almost like these past three guests that we've had, like, like it's been building. So the first guest was like, yeah, winning's not everything. And then Drex was like, winning's not everything, but like, it's still kind of important. And then we had John on, he's <laughs> like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> yeah. We need a win, baby. Like, how the hell are you going to get drafted? How are you going to yeah. get recruited? So, yeah. it's like, I think stages. like, a part of everything too, each of them talked about goal, goal setting and each of them talked about like finding what, where you really want to go. And by having that perception, right. That a lot of people don't have by setting those specific goals, by having a vision for yourself, then it's going to be much easier to reverse engineer how you're going to get there. Yeah. But with Drexel, so let's do a little bit of analysis. We did a little analysis. I can't fucking speak today, man. Analysis. I can't do an analysis. But we did a little bit of an analysis. See, that's a fucking tongue toaster. Can't blame me for that one. We did one um, with Eric a little bit. So now let's move on to Drexel. Um, he was really... He talked about his story. And it was really kind of moving for me especially. Um, because it was just awesome to see a person that fucking acts on his words. You know, said... I, I'm not going to give up because my players expect me not to give up. That's what I'm telling them. So that's one of the differences we heard between Drexel and then uh, Coach Beam, where Coach Beam had a statement where he's like, the players really need to earn the respect. Yeah. And he kind of has that status to, I feel like, sometimes it's different. That. It's different levels to this shit, though. Because, but, yeah. Yeah. You got to think, too, like, Beam has been doing this for a long time, too. So I bet... So, like when he was talking about his early coaching days, how he had to earn the respect of his players because of the type of environment he was in. Um, and then compare that to Drexel, yeah. where Drexel's kind of like living his word. And it's definitely like, it's completely two different situations. But the the thing about Drexel that's so cool is that like he's just, he, I'm not going to call him old, but like he's 26 years old and he's just now picking up, uh, trying to get to the next level himself. So he can embody a personality that his players can look up to. So, I mean... And he has, dude, he has, like, legit documentation of him throwing... I think he said he threw, like, well, like, 65 miles per hour right mm-hmm. when he started. Yeah. And he has that row to 90, and he's, like, touching... He's touching, like, 89.9. Like, he barely didn't get it. Like, that's fucking crazy. And that's great. That's, like, a great example for, I think, people to... For, for kids, right, to see that their coach is doing what he preaches and then they're going to have that respect for him and then he's going to be able to instill confidence in them. And then with Coach Beam, it's like he's proven himself already. Uh-huh. So the kids are going to have like that mutual respect where they're like, all right, I can get, like if, if this guy puts a good word in for me to d- these D1 colleges, yeah. I have a good chance. That's the coolest, that's the best thing that I took out of the Drexel podcast. Like, holy shit, dude, that really made me reflect on my own life. Like, mm-hmm. goddamn. I've I've said a lot of things and I've given a lot of people advice before we even started this podcast. But it's like, can you really give out advice if you're not living through the advice that you're that you're, that you're actually giving to these players? Yeah, a lot of the times kids like they'll look up to people and they'll like have beliefs instilled in them um, at like a very young age, whether it's from parents, whether it's from teachers, and like it's it's not their fault, right? You can't blame it on them, but they were born into into the same circumstance and they, you know, had beliefs in themselves where maybe it's like a low self-worth, maybe it's a teacher that scolds you for like not doing well in class or some shit like that. And then these things are like instilled within us and I think that's where we kind of start touching on that um, in the beam pod or in the beam podcast where it's like what do you think it is that affects these players um, that's like 
holding them back from performing at their peak potential. And a lot of that, when we're speaking with Beam, was like a lot of the different disadvantages that kids have when you're when you're in an environment like that in sports. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the fucking birth lottery, you know? Like if you're if you're, you're either born into a good situation, it's never going to be a perfect situation or you're born into a completely fucked situation. And a lot of times, a lot of times what I kind of see, and this is just like my own perception of what I'm seeing. I don't know if you guys see the same, but like when people are born into like that factory that we were talking about a lot mm. in the in the podcast where you're born with a lot of privilege to like have all the opportunities, right? A lot of times these people, these kids, these athletes, they kind of get um, idle and they kind of get mediocre and they don't have that driving factor that's pushing them. Like, dude, did I ever tell you about that DeAndre Hopkins story that I saw? The 60 for 60 where his mom got like chemically burned by that girl. Mm-hmm. So his DeAndre Hopkins, when he was like 10 years old, he got chemically burned by, or his, his mom got like chemically burned and like went blind. And she was like raising a family and he was like, that was my motivation towards doing what I do. And like how he became this player, like with that motivation. And I remember him like being like, mom, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, but thank you so much because, because of this, like we're able to live this life now. And I think a lot of kids who don't like don't have a pressing trauma yeah. or pressing circumstance, like they don't have that motivation, and like, and that's take, fine. Take whatever you will. It's a good I thing mean, or a bad thing. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's fine not to have a motivation like that. It's something traumatic in your past, you know. I'm willing. I'm venturing to guess though. Like most people have something, right? Whether it be like and it's good a, to have yeah. a little bit of trauma. Yeah, I mean, like your your mom could have like a slight illness, or like you were. You know, you're undersized or something like that. Like everyone can harness. We got to figure out how we can harness that motivation because that's going to give you the competitive edge. That's what we've seen, like the drive. I think I asked like two of the guests, like, how can we harness that motivation? How can we, you know, how can we get that drive out of them? And and it's hard because you can't really get some nuanced answers from some people. But as much as you'd like, you know, I think Drexel said he was like, you know, I do that by saying, like, why are you here? Like, why do you want to be here? And which is a good question. But I think we need to dig a little deeper. Yeah, why Why are you here? Like, what can you use as motivation in your life? Look deep into your life, right? And I know I have. I have my own motivations. I know Mitchell does. Like, we all do. Everyone does. It's just a matter of getting it out of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think a lot of players don't... Um, like, when we were in high school, I didn't understand this. And it wasn't shit that I was even looking into. Right. Because I like didn't I feel like people didn't have the resources like they do now. And it's like, bro, I think players don't understand like there's there's obviously like a talent cap. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a talent cap that everybody has. I don't know. With all the new tech these days. Right. Evolution, bro. And I think think that people like one of the uh, metaphors, one of the metaphors we came up with like yesterday was, you know, there's governors on cars like there's governors on sports cars and stuff. Wait, what do you mean? Governors on yeah, like if you're driving a Ferrari, it can really go. I don't know, like 250 miles. Oh, that's what you mean, governors. But really, I thought you meant like a state governor. No, no, no. And driving it. Yeah, so it like limits your speed on the road. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's like the same shit. That's the same shit with like your mental capability too. Yeah. We're not super wealthy out here, so we don't really understand. We, we're driving around in Honda, so our governors don't really apply to us. Dude, it's so weird. I want to. I want to talk about this. I just thought of this. It's crazy. In Northern California, dude, I played I played baseball up there and travel ball. Everything was so competitive. Like all these dudes were wanting to win. Like I saw that drive. Everyone was trying to get better. I come down here, right? And 
the atmosphere is so fucking different. It's so weird. You don't... Okay, first of all, everyone's like white. <laughs> on the baseball team, do we have like one ethnic kid on our baseball team? Josh? We had a couple Samoan kids. No, like on like a freshman baseball team. I don't remember one. I mean, you call it names. <laughs> we got me and Josh. We Christian Rocha. Okay. Brian Smith. Okay. Okay, fair. Maybe I'm just... I mean, but we did live... It, it was weird. Like, yeah. we lived... We, we went to a school that was like... It's a privileged fucking school. Well, there was, it was like a fucking split. It was weird. Yeah, you're right. Well, that's the thing, dude. And especially with the... Um, we live in Southern California in South Orange County. And just recently, um, I think a lot of previous students... I know. I think I had a couple of friends who. Oh, formed this. a little. Yeah. Yeah, they went to the uh, the. Uh, oh my God, what did the Cabochon Unified School District um, headquarters? Yeah. Down in San Juan. There's a lot of activism they, going on. And they and they spoke straight to the superintendent, and one of the pressing issues too was from straight from our school at San Juan, was that when we were and and I noticed the fucking first day I got here, the first day I, my freshman year at San Juan was all the Hispanic mm-hmm. all the Hispanic kids. Would sit and there was this big, this big, big fucking staircase that would yeah. go downstairs. It's like this grand racism staircase. It was, it's, <laughs> the staircase of race. Exactly, it's so fucked up. And all the all his, the white kids were at the top. Yeah, and all the Hispanic kids would sit and and at the bottom of the staircase at all the tables, yeah. and then all the white kids would sit at the top. Yeah, crazy dude. It was weird. It's it, and we 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 thought about it. And we would fucking joke about it, man. We're like, ah, you want to go to the lower? Or I wouldn't have a joke about it, but I like everyone around. You want to go to the lower side, dude? That's kind of fucking weird, man. All the cool kids are up here, and I'm just like, damn. But I noticed that because I was I had no fucking friends freshman year. I'd walk around that shit, just people watch all day, and I'd just like look and yeah, everyone's fucking brown over here. Everyone's white up here. Problem. But back to my point. Um, yeah, when I, on the baseball team, right. And really privileged area, and you can kind of sense that there's like not a lot of competitiveness, like not a lot of drive, dude. Like at a practice, like I was like, I remember one game, I ran, I ran home, touched the plate, and I was fucking clapping. And some, I was like, let's go. And some kid, I think it was like Jake Glassman or something. I stopped using names, but shout out Jake Glassman. No. Um, <laughs> Fuck you, bro. <laughs> um, but, and I don't know if it was him, but they were like, why are you clapping, dude? It's like five to nothing. This game doesn't even matter, bro. And I was just like, wow, that's very indicative of the level of competitiveness down here. Well, it's because, like, you don't have these fucking kids who are raised and their parents yeah. combined are making $500,000 yeah. a year and they're comfortable. Yeah. Like, they don't have anything to yeah. lose. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, you, okay, like, fuck it. We lost this game after this. I'm going to take my $60,000 Jeep and drive it home to my mm. mansion and go play video games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, the kids in underprivileged cities, like, all of John Beam's kids that he coaches, like, they lose Those dudes are fired up, bro. They're, yeah, they're like, because this is, like, that's their out. That's so their life. fucking lifeline. Yeah, you know? dude. But what I wanted to, like, make very clear is we were in a comfortable area. The players, they're very privileged. The majority of them, I should say, qualify a little bit. They're very privileged. In comparison to the kids in the Bay Area, less privileged. You know, we're scrapping for wins. We're competitive. We're fired up. There's a noticeable difference in who's able to harness their motivation, how that motivation is more prevalent in some people's lives than it may be in a South Orange County kid's life. You know what I mean? And these kids, like, it's not like they don't go through shit. Everyone fucking goes through shit. We all do. Everyone has their own problems, but... They, they didn't feel the need or the desire 
essentially, because they, they didn't know. They couldn't harness that kind of motivation. And you might be a kid like that. You might be in a privileged town, and that's fine. But in order to get that competitive edge, you might have it already. That might be inherent with you. But for a lot of other kids, find that motivation in your life. Yeah. Boom. Monologue. Yeah, do we have any... I mean, there was a lot of stuff that John Bean talked about that I think we wanted to say stuff about. Hey, we can't glaze over our, our boy Garrison here. Oh, yeah. We gotta talk about... I mean, Garrison, Garrison. knew Psycho-Cybernetics, but that was psycho crazy. Cybernetics. <laughs> like, but guys... first, before we get... Begin, um, Garrison, I know you're probably listening to this. I know you ghosted me, and you responded to Mitchell <laughs> instead. So, just, just want to put that Yo, out what there. What the fuck, Garrison? It's messed up. I'm just kidding. Yeah, he, aside, we loved having him on the podcast. He was definitely a guy that knew a lot of mental type shit. Yeah, definitely. And psycho cybernetics is like how, like, kind of like how we got the name psych athletes too. It's like one of the main things. Can like, you describe the book too? Yeah. So like our program, psycho or um, like psychozone and stuff. Like it goes a lot off of that book, and that book is really important to get. It's called Psycho Cybernetics. Um, it's a little advanced. It's hard to read. It's it's like a hard to read type of book. So if you guys are in the market, definitely pick it up if you want to start yeah, you learning gotta, about a lot of these You gotta things. have a certain <laughs> IQ to read psycho saying, I mean, my fucking IQ is probably too low to read that book. No, dude, I, read, I think I read that like my senior year of high school and I, you, it's, it's funny, like as you get older and you go through more experience, like I thought I got it and then you go back and read it a year later and you're like, what the I fuck think is just this? I sitting propped up, legs crossed, <laughs> cup oh, of tea, glasses on. Psycho-cybernetics. I'm so sophisticated. Yeah, so Psycho-Cybernetics psycho is just basically about a guy in like the 19, I think it was written in 1916, his name is Dr. Maxwell Maltz, and he was a, uh, he was a plastic surgeon. And uh, what he began to notice, because you know um, he was starting to do these surgeries on people who had like horrific injuries and stuff on their face, and he would fix their face and they would be completely fine, right? And then they'd go out in the world, and he saw a huge percentage of people that would come back to him and um, kind of delusionally be like, this, this is still there. It's still there. My scar is still there. But really it wasn't. And it was just a lot of the things in their head. It was playing tricks on them because their self-image was so low th from all those years of having um, you know, disfigurements on their face. And so they would go out in the world completely fine now because it was taken care of, but they would still feel like people were looking at them weird or looking at them funny. And so the book is basically, it talks about certain types of meditations, talk, talks about certain type of gratitude exercises, talks about certain types of visualization techniques. Um, it's very like, it's not catered toward athletes, obviously, which is what we're trying to do, but it's, it's good in terms of like finding happiness and being secure with yourself. But the main quote that really stuck out with me from that book, I have it like literally hanging up above my mirror in my room. And it's, it goes along the lines of um, people always act and feel and perform in accordance to what they believe to be true about themselves and their environment. And so the book is basically how to trick your brain into feeling extreme, like uh, really good self-esteem, a really good positive self-image. And once you're able to do that, like there's a saying, I don't know if you guys have probably heard it before. It's like, as above, so below. So it's like whatever's in your mind, that's the reality that you're really going to see in the world. And so it talks about self-image and how if you have a positive self-image about yourself, then you're going to start to see much more, you know, more opportunities pop up in your life that you would have disregarded if you were in a negative mindset that a lot of people are in. Like I was fucking in nine high school. Like I had a lot of victimhood mentality that we were talking about with Garrison on that podcast and feeling like everything was against me and shit like that, even though if you just take a, take on a new mindset and start to have a positive self-image in yourself, a lot of things can change. And that's where I think, especially as an athlete, by building up that confidence, by building up that self-image, 
in your own personal daily life and understanding the core communication skills, understanding the core like subconscious releases and how to let go of a lot of uh, traumatic experiences and negative experiences that you've had in your life. And like a lot of times when we say traumatic experiences too, people are like trauma, like I don't know if I've never had a big thing happen in my life. But like if you're listening to this podcast right now, you've gone through negative shit. Okay, negative experiences have happened in your life, whether that's bullying, whether that's um, feeling unworthy, abandonment, um, all these things have happened to you. And if you're able to release those with which kind of the book glazes over a little bit, then you're able to have that positive self image and it relates and it correlates to your performance on the field. Yeah. And the more, I guess you could say practical and short sense, we talked about the body mind connection. Is that, what, is that what it's called? What's it called again? Body mind connection. Yeah. Isn't it like a triangle or something? Oh, we talked about the CBT triangle. So it's yeah. thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. Yeah, so I guess how you can link it to that, self-image, positive self-image, more likely to have positive emotions, body, better body language, better you know, presence of mind of like who you are and what you can do, and it's going to make you play better, the hard, essentially. The hard thing with that, though, is, I mean, not though, but the hard thing with that is like a lot of people will tell you to like change your thoughts. They'll be like, just change your thoughts. Just wake up one day and change your thoughts. And when, we, when it comes to like, I want to get into this more, obviously, like the laws of the universe, the law of attraction, that's like the big thing going on now. You might have seen like the movie, The Secret, right? Which is just like, just sit on the couch and visualize and you'll have your dreams, right? And so a lot of people teach that and they'll be like, just change your thoughts and you can change your reality, which is true. The problem is you need action towards that. And not only action, you need um, an easier way to change your thoughts because you can't just like think about think about magically changing your thoughts one day. It's fucking hard, mm-hmm. bro. It's hard if you're in a shitty situation, if you're you know not getting a lot of playing time, if your coach, if you feel like your coach isn't like showing you the respect that you need, and and you're not getting that opportunity. It's fucking hard to just change your thoughts and be like, I am a fucking god. I am a fucking genius. You are a god. You are a god. I'm a hell of an athlete. So it's hard to change your thoughts like that. But because if you look at the CBT triangle, if you change your behaviors, you start having positive body language, you start doing these certain exercises, right? If you change your behaviors, that's going to change your emotions and it's going to change your thoughts. Yeah. That's also like, just like, like what, looking, looking within yourself, right? Looking within yourself, like embodying yourself. Mm -hmm. Even embodying yourself. And then, um, one of my favorite, um, parts of the garrison interview was when you guys were talking about the cbd triangle and then that almost made me think of like the same thing with like the victimhood mentality where you're like looking within yourself and like everything you've gone through and i feel like there's like you can't really get it twisted you know what i mean so like if you're going through a bunch of shit and we talk about and we talk about coaches a lot and we blame a lot of things on coaches but i feel like there is kind of that um like you have to take you have to be um, um, what's the word I'm looking for ownership responsibility of your own actions yeah and I feel like we say it a lot like yeah your coaches suck or like all this shit happened to you but eventually there comes a point where it's like okay dude like I need to own up like I like this is fucking on me yeah and I feel like once you start you know gaining more and more mental confidence and you start playing and performing better at a higher level I think a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the blame falls on coaches a lot. Yeah, that's like one of my my one of my favorite books of all time is um, Think and Grow Rich. And like one of the lines from there, we've talked about it before. I think we talked about it on the Beam podcast, where it's like if you're able to take responsibility for yourself 
and you're able to take responsibility for your for like everything that's happened to you in the past and everything that's happened to you in the future and realizing that like nobody's gonna help you it's weird like we're all fucking conditioned from an early age like watching movies watching hollywood watching like disney movies and shit like that and we all have this perception in our mind that like somebody's gonna save me like that princess or that prince is gonna magically save me or somebody's gonna come up to me and say you're a wizard harry and like everybody feels like that everybody feels like you're special Right. And everybody is, everybody is special. Right. But nobody's going to come up to you and nobody's going to save you. You have to do it yourself. And you might like you can take a negative situation and spin it however way you want. Like every single negative circumstance that comes into your life, you have the opportunity to find like a seed of positivity from that. Fucking take that and run with it and use it as motivation. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Anything else we got on... Um... Mr. Roy? Um, I think that was it. I mean, that was the that was a valuable piece of information that I got out of it. Yeah. I think with every single one of our guests, dude, it's like a 10-10 would have again. Like, you know. <laughs> I would have one. 10-10 would do again. Oh, I wanna I wanted to touch on though. You guys talk about like emotions affecting your thoughts, affecting your performance and like actual body movement. I always thought like, you know, you hear look good, feel good, or something like that, or feel good, play good. Um, look good, feel good, play good. And I always thought it was like a myth because I would be like, some days I feel like shit and then I play good, you know? But scientifically, factually, that's incorrect. So if you're ever wondering if your thoughts or your, your body or your, you know, your thoughts or emotions or your outlook on life or on yourself, um, if you're wondering if that ever affects your performance, it fucking does. And that's a fact and it's true. Yeah, a lot of psychiatrists do that with um, with people who suffer with depression or anxiety. Like, they'll tell them just to go and, and just get up out of bed and just take a shower and then, like, dress up in, like, your, like, nicest clothes or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and, so then just, like, dude. and then just take, like, a, a walk, like, up and down the street. It fucking works. Not even going out or anything. Just taking a shower and then just getting, like, putting, like, going outside Sounds clothes fun. on. One of, yeah, one of the things we talk about in, like, the psycho prep program or in the psychozone program, I think is we talk about how like facing resistance and there's this thing called like the five second rule and it's by a girl named Mel Robbins and she kind of realized that if you have something in your head that you want to do, if you don't take action on it within five seconds, it's going to be exponentially harder for you to get up and do the thing. And so when it comes to like motivation and figuring out like, fuck, I got to work out today. Fuck, I got to do some drills today. Fuck, I got to meditate today. Whatever it is, like if you have that thought in your head, you need to start rewiring your brain and breaking the habit of being yourself. And by having the thought that you want to do something, you do a countdown. You say five, four, three, two, one, go. And you just get up and you start moving. Like, because as you start doing something, you're like, you're probably not going to want to go and work out at first. But if you start doing it out of the five seconds, like once you're in it, you fucking, you're pumped. Like you want to yeah. do this shit. And um, like, especially like what I do too, sometimes if I don't want to work or something like that, I'll just tell myself, I'll trick my brain. I'll do the five second rule. I get up and I'll tell myself like, I'm only going to do this for five minutes. I'm just going to do this for five minutes. And then once that five minutes passes, every single time, without a doubt, I like doing it. And I'm ingrained in it. I'm already doing it. So, like, I think that's a really good mindset to start taking part of if you're facing re- resistance towards doing something that you know you need to do. Mm-hmm. So that, that fucking happens every single day in your life, not just with sports. Yeah. Shit that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of moving into, like, John Beam, too. The legendary coach, John <laughs> Beam. One of his big things too was like the what we're talking about right now is like it was 
punctuality and then, and then effort that you put into it. And the way that we're describing it with like the five second rule and the way he describes it, it's, it's, exa- it's the exact same way we're just wording it completely different. Like he says, get, you know, get your ass up in the morning and, and just get to the weight room. And once you get there, like we're going to, we're going to get a pump on, we're going to start working out. Mm-hmm. So I think even just, even just letting kids know that there are like different ways to spin it and different ways to get yourself motivated and, and to get that extra amount of effort out is important. Yeah. Figuring out who you are, dude, something that I think everybody should do is take the um, MBTI test. What is that? It's like the um, 16 personalities that somebody has. And it's like, oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's called Myers-Briggs. I forgot what I was. Pretty sure it's Carl Jung that developed it. That, what, that might be why you know it. Do you know what you, no, I, I've taken it before. Yeah, I'm an ENTP. I, I keep taking an ENTP. I think I'm also an EN, ENT something. I have no idea what you guys are doing. Yo, dude, take, we'll take the test after. Um, we'll li- dude, we'll link, <laughs> it, be- we'll link it below this podcast. You guys should definitely take it. It's completely free. And what it does, it shows you a lot of your strengths and a lot of your weaknesses and um, it's a really cool test and it shows you basically like one of my main weaknesses is I like to do a lot of shit. I like to start a bunch of things. I like to start businesses. I like to start projects, but I have a tough time finishing it. And so by understanding a lot of your um, weaknesses, you can start to use them as positives and say, okay, I know this is my personality already. I know that I'm not good at finishing things. Even though it might sound like a good idea right now to start a new project, I need to focus all my energy on this. Yeah. So what was your, what was one of your favorite things from the John Beam podcast? From the John Beam podcast, I just we, I think the best thing. What's up? Can we start with stuff we don't like, we didn't like? Yeah, we do that, and then we can move into like like the best parts of it. Yeah, sure. And I don't want to. What did I, you not like? No, it was not. It's not bad. It's not like that. But I think we definitely. This is the moment where we understood like, kind of, we need to be more combative. With our not combative, you, I think you said that word. We should be more testy with our guys. We should put them on hot seat more. You yeah. Know? Make them think harder about the stuff they're doing wrong and help them realize it. You know what I mean? I think yeah. we could do a better. I mean, because we're gonna have guests on here in the future that we definitely do not agree with, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so that's something that we're gonna be doing in the future. Definitely putting people on the spot and trying to get more of a conversation going yeah. instead of just them blurting out their philosophies. There's, um, we obviously talked about this before. I want to talk about the respect thing. He mentioned somewhere in the podcast, like, um, I guess we're going to qualify this room. We're going to kind of defend his stance on it, I guess, but also can critique it a little bit. But he said something like, um, when a kid shows up to me, he has no respect. Like I have no respect for him yet. He's got to earn it himself. But, um, I said it on a podcast before that it's got to be the other way around that a kid is going to because assuming this kid's a competitive person he's going to put put his all out on the field and he's going to have that drive then i feel like that warrants respect um and i feel like a coach and a, a coach should earn that player's respect or else he's not going to get through with him that's what i said and with john beam he said it the other way around he told us this cool little anecdote of him throwing some fucking kids out of the building <laughs> Which is really funny. Something that's like, definitely like, illegal now. Yeah, this is back in the 80s. So, And then Mitch is like, yeah, you guys had the, those rulers, huh? He's like, yeah. Dude, my, just dad spanking was, kids. my dad used to talk about that because he grew up in like uh, fucking segregated Huntsville, Alabama. Really? Yeah. And like the, te- like the stories that he's told before about what the fucking teachers would do, especially to the, to the kids of color, like 
They used to beat the shit out of these kids. Really? If like they did something wrong or like they were like acting up or anything, like a straight ruler. Damn. And like just straight on their Dude. on their ass. Fucking school could be so cool if we changed some fucking shit. School could be so cool. Yeah, really could be. Huh? Stop looking at <laughs> stop looking at my shit, bro. Back on the John Beam subject. Um yeah, I definitely didn't agree with that statement. I see where he's coming from, right? Because he's a super respected coach. He's a fucking legend. He's the godfather of Oakland football. So, obviously, the kids that come to him to play are going to be like, they might be harder to reach than others, but they're going to be like, oh, shit, this guy's, he's the dude. Mm-hmm. He, I got to listen to him. He's going to get me to the next level. And he does. He acts on his word, and he's, he's a fucking beast. Maybe that's the thing, though. Like, comparing, so, like, if you were to compare John Beam to a little league coach. Yeah. <laughs> I would I like are not even I guess it's a back comparison, but just John Beam to Saddleback College's football coach. Mm-hmm. To me, our reasoning would be yes, the coach needs to earn the respect of the player first at Saddleback College. Mm-hmm. But to me, when you uh, well, okay, so here's the thing, Saddleback's really good at sports. <laughs> I know I know they are, but they don't have the legacy like Laney College does. Maybe not. Yes, they're good at football. It's different situations, I feel like. But yeah, go on. It is, yeah, but I guess we could take the little league. I, I like that. I like that how you're talking about like the, the different respect levels. Yeah, it's like, like John's built this shit up for yeah. the last four yeah. years, and I get it. Like you're not gonna walk in and and ex- and expect this coach to be like, oh, how are you doing, Johnny? Yeah. Hey, let's go. Exactly. Like I mean, I wish he did. We well, say we always like that. What's good? What's good? Like from last chance, you like watching that. It looks like his players have a level of communication with him. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the, something that a lot of times that doesn't happen. That didn't happen with me and Ryan's high school coach, right? No. Definitely didn't. You want to finish your thought? Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it, though. I mean, I would assume so that he would he would already be able to, to gain these players' respect yeah. by just mm-hmm. what he's built up over the that's, last That's years. the positives. There's two positives I really took out of the John Beam podcast, and that was the fact that he was able to communicate with his players. He had a really open um, mm-hmm. communication style with them, and they were able to speak their mind, right? And then also when he talked about, A, his wife being a big part of, um, you know, calming players down, helping them with their anxiety and shit like that. We talked about how mental health really isn't talked about when it comes to sports. And then what I also liked was when um, – we asked him that final question. We we're like, what is it that athletes can really do right now that you think is going to help them out when it comes to confidence levels and mm-hmm. self-esteem, self-image? And he said, just understand that like, you guys are here. Like, you're there for a reason. You're, at, you're playing high school you know, sports for a reason. Like, you beat out all of those other people. You're there. You're playing collegiate sports for a reason. And understand that you're there for a reason. You don't have to always feel like you're, bat- you're battling and falling behind. Mm-hmm. What else do you guys not like? I know you both had something. Yeah, I mean, like, everything everything that he was talking about, it's, like, it's from the perspective of uh, an old coach yeah. and, like, an old way of doing things. So I think... But he says he, says, um, he, he does do a lot of old stuff, but he also adapts in some ways. Yeah, yeah. like, he's definitely brought on a new... At least uh, a, a new personality, I guess. I mean, I wish I could have known him like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't doubt that he's definitely brought on maybe like a softer personality. Because mm-hmm. he said himself that 
the players this year are, are quote softer mm-hmm. than players from last year. So I like the thing about like bringing his wife on and stuff and, and yeah. helping out players in the in the mental game. It's almost like he's putting on an act in front of the players, you know? Because I mean that might be like his competitive spirit. But when we were, when we we're talking to him, man, he's just the most outgoing dude. He had a yeah. fucking blast talking to Mitch about surfing. He's talking about his his friends and stuff. And it was really cool. Like he's a really outgoing guy. Um, and I think it's fair to judge his character and, and say that um, he does care about his kids, um, no matter what kind of actions he does on the field or the words he says. And it's yeah. different. It's definitely football. It's rah rah. It's yeah. manly. You got to get that shit out of those kids that way. There could be a more efficient way of doing it. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not a football coach, but. Um, I, mean, I mean, I bet there is, but I mean, I would just say that John Beam is definitely not for every player. Right. Like, he's and he even said that he's like, figure out what the coaching's like and see if that's the, you know, player. If you're the player, you're the athlete that responds to that. One thing that I didn't like, um, coming to light now is when he talked about. He's like, just don't overthink it. Just stop overthinking it. Yeah, he did say that. He said that a couple of times. And that's something that, like, kind of makes me, like, builds a couple of emotions up inside me because it's like I feel like every single coach has probably told me yeah. that. Like, when I'm struggling or I go up to, for help and I'm like, you know, what What do you think, like, what do you think I'm doing right now? If I'm, in, like, mm-hmm. in a slump and I'm not doing well, I'll be like, what do you think, like, just really casual, what do you think I could do better? And then I, like, have a coach that was, like, a huge influence on my life that just looks at me and is like, you know what? I just think you're overthinking it, and then just walks away. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck am I supposed <laughs> to do mean, with that? What do you mean, coach? What do you mean with that? Like, what? What am I supposed but to do? But in reality, with that? it was most is, is most likely okay, coach. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, oh yeah, hundred percent. I said that. And then it's like, okay, maybe I'm in a game, right? And I actually make one, make a good play, I get a good hit, I do, you know, whatever. And then he's like. I told you. I told you. You just <laughs> like, shouldn't overthink I'm it. I'm the shit. I'm the best coach in the and world. I'm just like, I didn't fucking change. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it's funny. Literally, like, what we're trying to get our athletes to do by building confidence and being able to perform at the next and perform at their peak potential, performing well and not th- overthinking it are go hand in hand. That's what it does. If you're not thinking, you're probably playing good right now. But that's the goal. Yeah. Right? It's basically your coach saying, all right, cross the fucking finish line in a triathlon. Like, what or am I doing wrong? What yeah, am I doing like, wrong, bro? Just get, a, just get a D1 offer. It's fine. Yeah. It's always like, don't overthink it. And then you're like, how do I do that, coach? How do I not overthink it? Like, that's the goal of what you want me to do. And you just want me to fucking or, do that. Yeah, I don't know how to do or it. Or if somebody's doing well, they'll just compare you and be like, just be like Johnny, bro. Yeah, dude. Just be like Johnny. Johnny's I'm got it all figured out, right? He's thinking about fucking his girlfriend and what they're going to do later. <laughs> yeah. You're over here, your little ass, <laughs> worried about striking out. Look dude. at Johnny, dude. And that's dude. the thing about John Beam, though. I think, like, when he says that, he's when he's like, yeah, they're just like, don't overthink it. He doesn't it. know. And I think he's just taking it from a stance where, like, Oh, like these players have built up a level of trust in me and my program that 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 piece of advice will carry weight. But the problem when when you have a coach in the Midwest who doesn't have like a substantial program like that, and then they say some shit like that, it's like okay, bro, like there's nothing to back that up with, mm-hmm. you know. But it's it's true that if you're not thinking, like we all know it, you're in the fucking zone. Yeah. That's but that's the goal we want to reach. Mm-hmm. But and we we have that we can bridge that gap for you. That's why we're here. When your coach says, <laughs> when your coach says, don't overthink it. You hop on fucking Google and you Google psych athletes, and you listen to <laughs> us basically because we can tell you how to not overthink it. And we've been telling you for about ten episodes now. And 
But, like, it's something you can't even blame the coaches for sometimes because it's, like, they don't know better, you know? Yeah. So, like, what we were talking about even on the podcast uh, with Beam at the beginning, what we did is we put together, like, a quick anxiety checklist and, like, for nerves before and during your games and, like, the top tools that we found. So you can always click that link in the description. We're going to be having much more resources coming out. Um, especially on our Instagram, what we want to start doing is like we do our reels, right, to get people to come to the page, and then they kind of see what we're all I about. Our reels. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of dude. It's it's funny how like when it comes to reels and stuff and getting discovered, you can't talk about the shit that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like we can't be like, all right, this is what you do. You have to do EFT. You have to meditate. You have to do these pregame meditations. You have to do these subconscious releases. You got to do this law of attraction, certain method, and shit like that. Like you can't say that. So. Um, that's what our Instagram I think is going to really be, especially the, in, and on these podcasts, like we're going to have guests obviously, but I think ones like this where we zero in, we do like a quick five to 10 minute podcast about like a certain thing that you can immediately start doing right now. Um, and that's, what's going to be in the future of that as well as on our Instagram. Yeah. Cause like we want this to be entertaining too. And we know it's not the most entertaining thing to, to lecture about EFT tapping for an hour. And we know that's not what. A lot of people want to hear a very i mean a small minority of people who know what the, the different topics that we're talking about would probably want to listen to that um but that's why we're going to go ahead and just do those quick five to ten minute things and and then lecture you guys who want to be lectured i hope you want to if you want to learn anything yeah i'm assuming you want to learn something you listen to an hour and a half of this shit <laughs> yeah what the fuck who yeah, are you yeah if you're still on it now <laughs> who I would are just, you i would assume you'd want to listen to those so yeah 100 <clears throat> i think that's probably it right yeah, I'm stoked for our next guest, dude. Talk about swimming. I'll okay, <laughs> talk about swimming. That dude, we got a other swimmer next. I know, but we got a coach on. Oh, a swimming coach. You got an actual swimming coach. Cool yeah, for nice. all you swimmers out there. No yeah, more of this baseball nonsense. Swim, 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 I'll be asking like all the good swimmer questions because I fucking so even though I am a lifeguard, I fucking suck at swimming. So I'll get the swimmer. I'll get the swimmer questions out of him, guys. We need to have one of your lifeguard guys come over here. I'd love to talk about that. I know a few off the top of my head right now who would probably love to be swimming down. Yeah. How about I mean, we just do an Eric Andre dude? The only yeah, the thing about them is like they're they're uh they're like our age, they're twenty years old, so Yeah, but the thing is we're superiorly like intellectually superior to other boys. So I mean yeah, half the time I can't really form a sentence on this podcast, <laughs> but it's okay. All right, guys. Yeah, yeah. That's going to do it for us. That's going to do it for us. Make sure you click the links below to get all the free resources and follow us on Instagram because that's where we're going to be posting all of our uh, like good material that's actually going to help you in the mental game and whatnot. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Maradona, too. Passed yeah. away today. Really? Yeah, hard time. Soccer legend, man. R.I.P. R.I.P. Later, guys. Later. That's depressing. <laughs>